in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, uh, we're going to look at verses 44 to 50 today. If you're using the Bible in the pew, uh, this is on page 819. While you're doing that, uh, we always say we want to celebrate with those who celebrate. And today is Rainier Condra's first Sunday in church. And so Mark and Josie uh, have their little guy here with them. And so when service is over, make sure you uh, just, it's awesome just to be able to see uh, this new little man and their family. And so make sure you uh, greet him. Uh, For those of you who are at home, that's what you missed. So there you go. (laughs) All right, let's pray together and then we're going to look at this passage. God, we thank you so much uh, for the life that you give us. We thank you so much for how much you pursue us, how much you love us, how much you care for us. Uh, God, we thank you for the, the, the love that you have. We thank you for the God that you are. We thank you that you want us to hear you and you want us to know you and experience life with you. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts about that reality today. As we think about our lives and the, lives that, the life that you want to give us, I pray that we would hear from you. That, Spirit, you would move in this place and you would move wherever people are listening, that you would encourage us and challenge us. Uh, I pray that you would open up our ears to hear what you have to say, that our ears, our hearts would hear the word of the Lord and that we respond accordingly. Again, we just thank you so much for your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, One, we didn't have, this wasn't like an official announcement, but something to put in your mind is that we are also going to be doing a uh, scavenger, not scavenger, kind of a scavenger hunt, an Easter egg hunt with the Wrightwood Neighbors Association on April 9th. And so this is something that's coming up. And we've done this many times before. It's something that we partner with, with uh, the neighborhood organization. And it's a really fun event. We have hundreds of uh, kids, that, uh, hundreds of eggs that we find, tons of kids that come to this. And we'll literally hide almost a thousand eggs down here at Jonquil Park. And they're just all over the place. Some of them are gold eggs with like more special prizes and things like that within them. And we have everything ready to go. And the kids Kids will just line up at the edge and they are just like ready to go, chomping at the bit, waiting for such person to say go. Obviously, sometimes, no, haven't said go yet, come back, and we have to kind of mind it. But man, once we say go, those kids are off. I mean, it's just like, Bleh! and if they had sugar before that, just watch out because they're going to turn into little flashes running around trying to find these eggs. And of course, as they go along, some kids are finding more than they should. So it's, hey, you found enough. Let's save some for some others. Some find only a couple. Some will inevitably get there late and either will only get one or two things or maybe nothing at all. That's what happens. After kids have found things, there's also the comparison reality. That person has 10. I only got three. I have this toy, but I wanted that toy. I I didn't get a gold egg. My sister got an old egg. That's not fair. These things inevitably happen. Now, this is an event that is coming up, but in a lot of ways, this mimics a fact of life and and that goes along with the stories that we're going to look at today in our parable series about the fact that we are all on a search for life ourselves. Not searching for eggs and not searching for food or anything like that, but we are searching for life. At different times, that is emphasized in different ways. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for to be loved, to belong. We're searching for meaning. 
We search for life in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different places. At times we feel like we found it, but then things don't tend to last. It almost is like the egg search. I didn't get what I expected, or what I found lost its excitement after a little while, or someone else seems to have something better, and I need to have that, or I'm just going to start over and try to find something somewhere else. Maybe sometimes we don't even realize we're searching in life. Or we don't realize what specifically we're searching for. The parables of Jesus are stories that talk about his kingdom. They talk about the life that he offers us and what that life looks like. And the parables uh, that we're going to look at today talk about people who found things, who were on a search, not for eggs, but who were searching. And one of them just happened to stumble upon a treasure. What some, the other one was specifically searching. But what they found will challenge and encourage us as we think about our own searches for life. Of all the different things that we can find in life, the first story is going to show us this. That life with Jesus is worth more than anything. That life with Jesus is worth more than anything. The first of the three stories we're going to look at today is really short. It's in verse 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, uh, treasure hidden in a field, when a man found, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The, the picture here is of probably a field servant, somebody working in this, uh, maybe working the harvest or wandering the land that uh, his boss owns or whatever, who found something that was buried. In that kind of time, they didn't have the bank that they would go to. And so if somebody had a treasure, if somebody had something valuable, and maybe there were invaders coming or there was an attack that was happening, they wanted to keep something safe, they would go bury something in a field. And then they would go and get it later. Well, for whatever reason, this was never found. This was never claimed. It, no one ever went to get it. And this person happened to be wandering just wherever that was, wandering the land, and somehow found this treasure. But realizing how valuable the treasure was, realizing how valuable the treasure was compared to anything that they had, they sold everything to buy the field to acquire this treasure. Now, we, we've all had the experience when we think that we know food that's good, but then somebody mentions another option and we think, oh, I got to try that. Have you ever had that experience where you start talking about a type of a meal like, oh, you like burgers? Well, have you tried this place? Oh, no, 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 I haven't tried that place, but I want to now. Or, hey, do you like pizza? Oh, let me try this. We were actually doing this at the men's conference yesterday at lunch. We were sharing about the best wings places and fried chicken places. And admittedly, I think we took maybe more notes during that conversation about food than we did the sessions that they were talking about. But it was a great conversation. What's, what's the better place? Oh, I haven't had that. That sounds great. Let me get that. This story that Jesus is telling here isn't pointing about to a meal or anything, an edible experience. It's talking about the reality of life. You think that you know life? Well, this life in the kingdom is better. You think you've found life? You think you've experienced life? This life that Jesus offers us in his kingdom 
is worth more, is more valuable, is better than anything you have, could find, or have experienced. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, as it's talked about, referred to at times. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, hearing kingdom, if we start thinking about King Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, or the court of Camelot, or at worst, medieval times, if we think about any of those things, we are drastically missing the point. The kingdom of heaven is talking about the reign of Jesus. The reign of Jesus. It means being under his leadership, following his way of life. He is the one overall. He sets the agenda. He guides us in life. He is the provider and the protector. Tim Keller says that a kingdom is an administration. That is a way of ordering things and getting things done. Chicago Bears right now have a new general manager. They have a new head coach. And the way things are run are changing. The direction and the vision for the team is changing. Thank the Lord. They are, they are ordering things and they are getting things done differently. Hopefully, if they can build a team as well as they can clean house, it's hopeful. But there's a reality that as they've come in, fans have said, oh, it's a new day. They're thinking about things different. They're leading the team different. They're making decisions differently. This isn't like the old regime. And that's the administration. In many ways, that's what Keller is talking about. And that's the idea here is that it's an administration, a way of ordering things and getting things done. The kingdom of God is a new way of ordering our lives, a new way of going about them, one that is centered on the person of Jesus. And so within that, if the kingdom of heaven is the reign of Jesus, then being part of the kingdom is taking on a completely new identity. Who are you? What makes you, you? What guides you and defines you? Our culture will answer these questions with wealth, with success. Some will define their identity by their relationships, their sexuality, their politics. And there are so many other options and even combinations of things that people can identify themselves with. Being a kingdom person is to find your identity in Jesus. Your allegiance is to him. It isn't shared with anyone. Who he is becomes who we are. George MacDonald defines the kingdom as simplicity of absolute existence. And really, that as simple as, no, simple as that simple concept is, that nails it perfectly because Jesus becomes my everything. He is the defining reality of my absolute existence. Who he is becomes who I am. He is my identity. So if the kingdom is under his reign, if it's a new identity with him, to be a part of that kingdom is also then to take on a new ethic, how we go about our lives. Justin Gibney says, Jesus came into the world to bear witness to the truth. He's our North Star. Accordingly, as Christians, our mission is to follow his example and spread his truth no matter the cost. The Bible is then the absolute standard for truth and moral order. What it says is good is good. What it says is righteous is righteous. All other statements of truth must be judged based on the biblical standard. And so in that, how we 
order our lives, how we make decisions, how we go about our day-to-day is centered and based on Jesus. He is my identity. He dictates how we live. And so when we think about the kingdom, the kingdom of God that Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is life under the reign of Jesus where he is our identity and our ethic for life. That's the summary of those three ideas. And what Jesus is saying in this story is when you take the idea of living under him, identifying with him, living according to how he guides us, that what he's saying in that story is that this is greater than anything we can come up with. This is a greater existence than anything our culture can show. This is greater than any other life we can find. This life is worth more. It is more valuable. It is the thing that we are searching for. We think we know life. We think we have found it. We think we have it together. But what Jesus offers blows away all of our ideas and our efforts. One guy in the New Testament named Paul, he summarized the greatness of life with Jesus Come thinking about everything that he had accomplished and done and what, it, what all that is compared to finding life with Jesus. He says this, Indeed, if others have reason to, excuse me, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I am a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Now you hear Paul giving his resume right here and we might look at that and go, well, so what? But in their day and to the people he's talking about, Paul is checking every box of what is defined as success. He is the one that has it all together. His family, his ethnicity, his education, educational accomplishment, his work accomplishment, his work ethics, his reputation, his status. This is the guy that people would be jealous of or this is the guy people would be aspiring to. This is the guy mothers would look at their kids and go, you need to be more like Paul. That's what you need to try to do. He had it all. And he is saying it is all a pile of garbage compared to knowing Jesus. When I take all that I've done and all that I've gained and all that I've accomplished and all that I've experienced and compare it to Jesus, the rest is just all one big garbage heap. Every, the life with Jesus is worth more than all of this. Jesus gives purpose, gives joy, brings healing, provides hope, loves unconditionally, kicks out shame, provides direction, invites us into his work of restoring the world back to himself 
nothing else can do what Jesus does. That's why when we think about life with Jesus, when we think about identifying with Jesus, this isn't just a cultural thing. This isn't just like a part of somebody. This is a whole new way of being. This is a whole new identity. It's a whole new existence. One that is based in the love and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus, who did everything that he did so that we can know this life a life that is worth more than anything we can find in this world. Where do you find life? What is your identity? What guides you? And even in this room, in our context, when the pull for success or job promotions or school achievements or relationships or keeping up appearances that when life is defined by that, do you see that as more important than Jesus? Because you have to ask yourself, why are you accepting garbage as the most important thing? Again, those aren't bad things. Those aren't bad things. But compared to Jesus, they're nothing. And maybe that's the one thing that we need to be challenged in this morning, some of us is that we need to upgrade our value and our perspective on who Jesus is and put the rest of our life in check. That we've been making the decisions that we do based on secondary things, based on rather than Jesus being our primary identity, what is most important. If life with him is worth more than anything, then we have to see everything else in light of that. Life with Jesus is worth more than anything. That's going to lead into the second thing, which complements the first story, is that we should seek a life that is worthwhile. We should seek a life that is worthwhile. The second story is very similar to the first. In verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so you can see the comparisons here. There's somebody who found something and it's of great value compared to other things and they go and sell everything to acquire this. The first one was, wasn't searching, just happened upon it. But this one was searching for pearls. Here's a merchant who's searching for pearls, probably finding some pearls. He's a merchant who sells these things, so he's found one. But he found this one pearl that is of such value that he sold everything else that he'd already found, which meant rejecting these things, getting rid of these things, so that he can have this one. He was searching and he had found a lot. And then he realized that he had not found the best thing. And when he found the best thing, the thing that was worth more than anything else, he got rid of all the other stuff so that he could obtain that pearl of great value. And here's the thing, every single one of us are this merchant. Every single one of us, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, we are this merchant. We are searching for life. We are searching for life. You may not realize it, you may not want to admit it, but our hearts are searching for life. And I will go into one more on that for you. 
whether you want to, whether you realize it, whether you want to admit it, you are searching for Jesus. Your heart is longing for Jesus. Your heart longs for a relationship with God. You know how I know that? Because that's how we were made. We were made to be in relationship with him. And to not have that, to be apart from him, to be far from him, our hearts get restless and we long for him. We might try to find him in different ways. We might try to appease that longing in different ways, different, different stuff or whatever that might be, but it doesn't change the fact that ultimately our hearts are longing for God. You are longing for Jesus. You are searching for Jesus, whether you want to see that or not. Your search for life, might, your search for him might take you to one of those places that I mentioned before, in your family, in accomplishments, in simply having fun, in friendships, in sexuality, in finances, in education, in career, in the removal of conflict, in helping others, doing great things, or what other, other option or a combination of things. Again, none of these things are bad things. They're all actually really good things. But they are a part of life. They are a reflection of what Jesus, only Jesus can do. We are searching for him, but we stop partway there. We are searching for the life he can give us, but we accept the partial, the inadequate, the imitation. Rather than accepting the life which he has for us, we accept cheap imitations, accepting mediocre and limited rather than ultimate unending life from him. Paul said, again, the guy I read before, Paul one time he visited Athens in Greece. And he's walking around and he sees all these different idols, these different altars where they're worshiping all these different gods and how they're kind of pursuing and trying to figure life out. And that really these things define them. It defined how they went about their life. It defined how they did things, how they thought about the world. And so he's talking to a group of really influential city people at one point, and he sees everything that's going around them, and he, this is what he says to them. Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. He said, men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way, for I was walking along and I saw your many shrines. He tells them, you are really trying to figure this life thing out. You are really trying to pursue Whatever's going on in here, you're trying to come up with answers, you're worshiping, your heart is longing. But you also acknowledge you don't have it all figured out because what does he say? One of your altars had the inscription on it to the unknown God. You acknowledge that even within all the things you think you have figured out, you know you haven't figured it all out because you have this in case we miss something altar, in case we forgot something or didn't realize something to this unknown God. And what does Paul say? This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. The one that you think that you don't realize, the one that you're searching for without realize you're searching for. The one that your heart is longing for and you don't realize your heart is longing for. Let me make that clear who it is. It's Jesus. You are definitely searching you are trying to figure life out. You have come to some conclusions just like these people. And you probably maybe even have, even though it's not set up in your house, you have an altar in your mind to the unknown God. 
acknowledging you don't have it figured out. Let me say the same thing that Paul says. The one that your heart is searching, the one that your heart is longing for, let me tell you who he is. It's Jesus. We are searching, trying to figure things out, but apart from him, we come up with only half answers, partial fixes, and all which ultimately lack. The merchant in Jesus' story, he found these pearls, but none of them compared to the great pearl. When he found the great pearl of great value, he rejected all the others. Within all of the different things that we find in this life, the cheap imitations, we have to reject those things. We need to pursue which is worthwhile and reject which is partial and lacking. Jesus said about this life that we search for, about the life that he's offering people. At one point he said, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. For this reign under Jesus with an identity and ethic in him, that's now. But he says to repent. To repent means to realign. There's definitely an idea of remorse about wrong things in the word, but to only think of remorse does not get to the depth of what Jesus is saying here. Think about how we find value in worth when we look to order our lives to give meaning and purpose. Jesus is telling to stop looking for that in this direction, turn away from all these other directions, and come to me. We, we, the, whatever's going on in our hearts, whatever the things that we're longing for, we move in all kinds of different directions to fill those things, to pursue the things to deal with our hearts. And what Jesus is saying is, stop going in all these other directions, repent, turn to me, and find life in who I am. Align your life with who I am. Align your life with this life that I am offering. N.T. Wright explains that this is a way of summoning people to allegiance to himself and his program. And so Jesus says to you, will you give your allegiance to me? Will you identify with me? Will you find life with me? Because this is the only life worth pursuing. And so you have to ask yourself, are you searching for a life that is worthwhile? This is going to have different implications for different people in here today, or those of you who are watching at home. Maybe you're in here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Then yeah, I want you, if that's who you are, I want, again, if that's who you are and you're here with us today or you're watching online, I just want to say I am incredibly grateful that you're here and that you're watching online. That you feel safe enough to come and be a part of what we're doing and to hear what I have to say and to be a part of worship and to be a part of this community. We want this to be a safe place for you to ask questions and figure things out. And I am so glad that you are here. I want to ask you and challenge you, what are you searching for? Where are you finding life in? What defines you? Why settle for a cheap imitation when Jesus wants to give you life, true life? Because he's really the only one that can give us joy that can give us peace, that can give us hope, that lasts beyond death. Anything else that we look to, that you look to in this life for that, is going to fail you. 
is going to let you down. It'll, it'll be momentary. It'll be fun for a little while. It'll feel peaceful for a little while. But nothing in this world lasts. It's only in him that we find those things. And so whatever you're finding your life in, the source of your life, your identity, I pray that you see that it's cheap. I pray that you see it's an imitation. I pray that you see the truth that it's going to fail you ultimately. Because I want you to see what Jesus offers you. I want you to find life in him. I want you to find joy and peace and purpose and hope in him. Because that's the only place we can find those things in. Where is your life? Now, if you're somebody here that says, well, yeah, I've put my faith in Jesus. I would say I'm a Christian. I follow him. Well, here's the question that you need to ask. Does your life show the true value of the kingdom? Does your life reflect the true worth of the kingdom? Or are we living in such a way that we're showing Jesus to be cheap, to be an imitation, to not be worth, because we're living more like the world around us than the kingdom people we're supposed to be? We're aligning ourselves with things of this world than the kingdom that God has brought us into. This is why we talked about this last month. We are called to be ambassadors. God wants to make his appeal through us. If we are not living in such a way that shows the worth of the kingdom, then we are presenting a cheap copy of it and shame on us for doing so. If you say that Jesus is your life, is your life reflecting the truth of that? Is he your joy? Is he your hope? Is he your guiding identity, your true north? Because to say that you love Jesus and to not live within that, you are presenting a false Jesus to the world. And we cannot be a church like that. Because the truth is, is that you have not, remember what I said, you are searching for Jesus. Everyone is searching for Jesus. You have not looked into the eyes of somebody who is, you have never looked into the eyes of somebody who wasn't searching for Jesus. So I pray we see our responsibility to present him well. The worth that he is, the love that he has for people. May how we describe our lives be how Paul described his life. Man, the rest of this is just garbage compared to knowing Jesus. Is that how you feel about him? And really, that's the test. If you were to lose different things in your life, it would be horrible, it would be painful, it would be difficult, but would you be okay because you have Jesus? And that's the test of the heart. Are you willing to lose everything else knowing you have him? Does our lives reflect the true worth of who Jesus is? Or are we presenting a cheap knockoff? Let today be the day that you find life. Let today be the day that you're reminded to reflect the life that Jesus offers. I want to end on this last story quickly. This last story points to this, that the life we seek has an eternal reality and destination. 
It says in verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, one of the things that we need to realize is that everyone has eternal life. It's just a matter of which eternal life are you a part of. We get, everybody is living a life that is eternal. It's just, are we living a life eternally with Jesus or one eternally apart from him? Life with Jesus is one that gives us what our hearts are longing for. We re- re- receive and experience the reality of the resurrection and all that Jesus gives us. Life without Jesus will have failures and disappointments along the way, ultimately ending in the definitive eternal separation, which this story points to. We are meant to have life abundantly with him. It is only in rejecting Jesus that we experience the destruction described in this story. And the reality is is that every single one of us has to ask ourselves, Do I have a relationship with God? Have I put my faith in him? It's only in Jesus that we have life that defines and gives us joy, hope, and peace on this side of eternity, but we have eternal rest and peace and joy with him for all of eternity. Separated from him, we will ultimately, the destruction of hell and the judgment within that. And what are you looking to for the assurance of that? Is it, well, my parents always believed this, I grew up in a Christian home, I'm better than this person, I've been trying really hard. None of that saves us. None of that gives us life with Jesus. If I ask you, if when I ask the question, do you have a relationship with God? If your follow-up is all of any of those things, you don't have a relationship with God. You need to own that. Well, who are you to say that? That's really harsh. That's the truth. And I'm repeating what the Bible says. God lays it out really clearly how we have that eternal hope and assurance. It's life with Jesus. And to not have that life with Jesus is to not have that eternal hope. And so if you're looking to anything else other than Jesus, you don't have that life. And you need to put your allegiance in him. It's not your parents. It's not how you were raised. It's not how much better you are than anybody else. It's not what you've accomplished. It's what Jesus did on the cross. And so Paul says in, in, first, in um, first Corinthians 15, what I received and passed on to you is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and I and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 others, brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. What is Paul saying here, this is the good news. Jesus was born, he lived, he died on a cross for our sins, he was buried for three days dead, and then rose from the dead, conquering sin and conquering death. 
And he did all of that so that our sins could be forgiven and we can be brought home, restored back to God in this kingdom life. You, the only way that we are redeemed and saved and entering the kingdom life is because of what Jesus did. Because of what he did on the cross. Because of how he conquered sin and death. So Ephesians says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's, that's what Cale was talking about earlier. We sang amazing grace. It's because of the grace of God that we have this life. We don't deserve this life, but he has done everything to make sure we can have it. And it's a gift that he gives us. You need to receive that gift. He says in Romans, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so that... How do you begin life with God if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord? He is going to reign over my life. He is Lord of my life. I am aligning who I am with who he is. I am giving the allegiance of my heart to him. If you openly declare that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he lived, he died on the cross for my sins and yours and the world's, and he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. I believe that. That's how I have life. If you can say, I believe that that's true, and I'm making him Lord of my life, I'm, I'm giving, putting my allegiance in him, then you are saved. Then you have life in him. Anything else we look to is lies. Anything else we point to is still keeping us on a path of destruction and judgment. I'm saying this kind of really straightforward and blunt right now because I know in a room, daylight saving size or whoever's on, at any time you get a group of people together, there's just a reality that someone is going to think, but I'm okay. And you have to be honest and ask yourself why. And if your answer to that isn't what Jesus has done, you're not okay. The things you're looking to aren't going to save you. The things that you're looking to aren't going to give you life. The things that you're banking on aren't going to give you life. And the path you're on is the one Jesus describes in this story. But if you repent of whatever you're looking to, if you turn to him, align your life in him, trust him, then you'll be alive. Then you'll be living. Look back at those two treasure seekers. One was a servant and one was wealthy. Both needed the kingdom of God. One stumbled upon it, one was intentional. But both realized the value of the kingdom when they compared it to anything else they had. What are you searching for today? And I hope and pray that your eyes are opened up to that whatever you think you're searching for, the truth is you're searching for Jesus. Augustine said, you, God, you have made us for yourself 
and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Your heart will continue to be restless until you find life in him. And I pray that you find it today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the fact that you pursue us, that you forgive us, that you are gracious to us, that you went to the cross in our place, that you conquered sin and death, that the tomb is empty, that you are alive. God, I pray that you would help us to see the truth of that, that we would find our identity in you, that we would trust you, that we would turn from other things and come to you. Anyone in here in this room today, God, anyone watching online who has not declared you as Lord of their life, who has not found life in you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. I pray that today would be the day of finding life. I pray that they would trust you and call out to you and begin living. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Will you stand with us? And we're going to do this last song. And while this song is going on, I want this to be just a prayerful time between you and the Lord. And if you're in here today and you know you've never put your faith in Jesus, as that passage in Romans says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If, you've ne- if that's not true about you up until this point, but you want that to be true about you now, then do that in the quietness of this, while we're just singing this song, the quietness